joining us today for class. I see we have the Carols, we have uh, Alvina Elliott, we have Paula Gathright, we have uh, Patsy Harper, and who's the other person that joined us today? Two of those are Paula. Oh, two of them are Paula? One for each ear. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, well, welcome everybody. Um, we are going to uh, pray and then, uh, okay. All right. Uh, he's asking me to repeat where we're studying today. So um, again, thank you for joining us today. Uh, we are studying, uh, this is our discipleship class, and we are studying from Testimonies for the Church, Volume 1, Chapter 85. Uh, and I'm going to share, so if anybody wants to share uh, the stream, now is the time to share it. I'm going to share it a couple of places before we actually get started. Okay. Um, and uh, I'm going to ask Lakita Carroll to play, pray for us today before we start. Okay. Most honorable Father, in the blessed name of Jesus, we are just so grateful, Lord, that you woke us up this morning, dear Father, that you have protected each and every one of us, dear Lord, <clears throat> that you have taken care of our families throughout this week. And Lord, we just praise your holy name that we get an opportunity to study your word once again. Open our minds and our hearts, dear Lord. We let the spirit of God fill us and give us wisdom. Help us, dear Lord, so that as we learn, we may go out and share with others. And Lord, that not only we, but others will be saved as a result of what we learned today. Let the words of our mouth, meditations of our hearts, Lord, be acceptable to you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. 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 So before we went live, we were kind of having a conversation, just for those of you who don't know, we were just kind of having a conversation about the uh, getting the COVID uh, vaccine. And uh, that it's really a matter of personal choice as to whether or not you want to get that COVID vaccine. But it's interesting that our, our chapter today in Testimonies for the Church, chapter 85, is about health reform. Um, I used to actually teach a class, uh, the, the class councils on diet and foods. And, um, you know, we as Adventists, we have a lot, we know a lot about health reform. Um, we don't practice it the way that we should. For the most part, I'm not saying everybody, <laughs> but a lot of us don't practice it the way that we should. But we have the message. But sometimes we find that there are uh, companies or segments in the world that are practicing it better than we are. Um, I remember one time uh, there was a, 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 I think it was a mega church over in another country. And uh, he was teaching our teachings. And someone asked him, how is it that you, where are you getting this from? He said, oh, I have all the Adventist books. Now he was a Sunday keeper, but he was teaching straight out of our books. So um, the health reform is there for us. And I think it's really important in a time like this, when we are um, going through, and I would say, I wouldn't even say we're on the other side of coronavirus yet. Uh, but we are going through still coronavirus and COVID. And I think that it is really important. Um, the, 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 the subject of health reform is really important at this point. Um, she starts out in this chapter saying that she was given a vision in December of 1885. And she was shown that Sabbath keeping people have been negligent in acting upon the light which God has given in regard to health reform. 
and that as a people, we have been too backward to follow in God's opening providence as he has chosen to lead us. Um, anybody want to? Huh? A paragraph for you. This is the first paragraph, 485.2. Very first paragraph. Really? I thought we were on 476.1. I thought um, we were still in 84. Okay. All right. Uh, well, I tell you what, then we'll back up to that and we'll come back to health reform next week, uh, the next time we come. Okay. Well, did um, I get the wrong spot? Huh? Did I get the wrong spot? Well, no, we'll go back since you all are saying I, I, I must have not remembered that we hadn't finished that chapter. So, um, let's go to, let's go back a chapter. You said um, we will be on 476.1. Okay. Uh, chapter 84. Okay. Well, then we're going to go back. Wait a minute. Let me back up. Yeah, this is some good stuff in here. Yeah, this, because I have this highlighted on mine. Okay. Okay. All right. Well, is, let's back up then. Is that all? Uh, what are you saying, Paul? No, uh, chapter 84, our ministries. Is that where we're going? Ministers, yes. We're going back a chapter. 476.1. Okay. All right. Um, so don't disregard the comments that were made, we, that we made earlier, because they were all apropos, but we will take them back up again when we go back forward to chapter 85, okay? All right, um, okay, dealing with ministers still in chapter uh, 84. Um, and she starts out saying that um, some men and women make themselves believe that they do not consider the things of this world of much value but prize of truth and its advancement higher than any worldly gain. But she said, many awake at last will awake at last to find that they have been deceived. They may have once appreciated the truth and earthly treasures in comparison to truth may have appeared to them valueless. But after a time, as their worldly treasure increased, they became less devotional. And although they have enough for a comfortable sustenance, yet all their acts show that they are now, they are no wise satisfied. Their works testify that their hearts are bound up in their earthly treasure. Skipping down a little bit, she says, they work early and late. Sickly diseased women and feeble children whip up their flagging ambition and use up the vitality and strength they have to reach an object, to gain a little, make a little more money. They flatter themselves that they're doing this, that they may help the cause of God. Terrible deception. Satan looks on and laughs, for he knows that they are selling soul and body through their lust for game. Uh, you know what that makes me think about? It makes me think about uh, the scripture that says the love of money is the root of all evil. And basically this chapter or this paragraph is talking about basically just, just workaholics who just work, 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 and they don't take into consideration even, even maybe even resting that the way that they should on the Sabbath. Um, and, and, and making work an idol in their lives. You know, that is really a major problem I'm running across 
in the pandemic is that people don't know when to cut it off. I mean, their work is at home with them. There's a constant barrage of emails coming in. And so since their work is right next to their beds, they feel like they have to <laughs> get up and do the work. Um, there is no structure to this thing. And, and I believe that the lead, the, the, um, the supervisors feel like, well, since you're not coming into the office, you should be at my beck and call every minute, right? So it, it's, it's causing a huge amount of stress. People are really not taking care of themselves and um, feeling so overwhelmed. I mean, they're piling the work on these people too. So um, this is really a problem for people. And, you know. Hmm. I think it makes a good point too. Uh, it says that the people make themselves believe that they're not worldly and considering material goods, but that they are following the truth of God. But later on, they'll find out that that was not true. I think it's a real blessing that God knows our hearts. And many times we, you know, we do our best. We uh, work hard. We do what we can to try and make uh, the best life we can. And even to have a business that's really profitable and somehow it just don't work out for you then I'm very happy to believe that God knows our hearts and he's saving us for heaven, not for earth, because many times people, uh, I'll say Christians, really want to be successful, but God knows if if he allows that to happen, then they'll lose out on eternal life. That's not true of everybody, of course, but again, I'm glad that God knows our hearts and prevents us from uh, doing uh, waking to find that we've been deceived. Well, I like this statement. She says they give themselves carefully any time for devotion or for prayer, which was my message this morning for um, stewardship is that we need to, we need more prayer. If you do more prayer, you can, you will probably can do less work for real. Hmm. That's very interesting. So I'm going to ask my husband who now is working from home all the time. Uh, what was the difference in going into the office for him versus working at home all the time now? I'm in the middle of these four walls. Less conversation, less air, less sunlight, less everything. So you're just kind of stuck at home looking at the same things in the same, you know, sometimes you just get up and uh, get you something to eat, same routine. It's kind of monotonous. You don't see different things and you need to get out. You got to be purposeful now and getting outside and getting some air and, and sunlight before you could do it because you always leave in the house. But now you, you have to make sure that you do those things. I used to go to the gym after I leave work on my way home. Now I have to make sure that I get my clothes and my stuff for gym and go out. So now you, the things that you did um, as a habit, now you actually have to, you know, be, like I said, be purposeful about um, doing those things now. That even starts with getting up early. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> make a true. point to get up early, you know. It's like, ah, oh, I can wait till nine. <laughs> well, you know, that's funny because a lot of the things that you did to prepare yourself to go into the office, plus the travel time to get to the mm -hmm. office, you don't have to do anymore. Do so I can go get my laptop and come back to bed and turn it on. <laughs> yeah, I think I, I'm, I'm with you on that, Andre, that you have to uh, go out. You have to make yourself go outside, you know. <laughs> 
And so, and I mean, because it is so easy to just stay in and to yeah. work, 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 you know, and stuff. But, um, you know, I've been really blessed so far with that working all the time is not a major problem, but I'd say going outside is the thing, you know, so I buy, buy like I only work four days. So on Friday, I'm like, I am just tired and, and start getting frustrated. But once I leave the house and my eyeballs see something different, then I feel much better. But <laughs> you all, do you all have your garden this year? We haven't put it up, Karen, because of the rain and the cool weather and blah, blah, blah. So this is going to really be, uh, last week might have been okay, but this is going to be the first weekend we really get a chance to work in that way. We try and plant something tomorrow. Yeah, but we've been out there weeding our flowers because we have flowers that come back. So we've been doing mm-hmm. that stuff. So that that helps. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, All right. Let's, last okay. paragraph, it says... Uh, they're Which paragraph, the last, the last part of the paragraph we were in. Oh, okay. They are continually making flimsy excuses for selling themselves for gain. They are blinded by the God of this world. Christ has bought them by his own blood, but they rob Christ and rob God and tear themselves to pieces and are almost useless in society. All that from overwork. And I'm, I'm here to tell you, and Andre, you probably agree. Anybody's worked in corporate America, they will run you to death. If they can, they'll have you working 24 seven for the same salary other people get for doing half as much and they won't care. You know, people where I was working was dying. They didn't care. They just hired somebody new. Definitely. That, that, I totally understand that. There was times that I had to do some stuff around Christmas time and I really was off work for the week of Christmas, but I stayed on and actually didn't show myself as, as available, but I was up to about 10, 11 o'clock trying to finish some stuff for the end of the year. They don't care. I, that was like, yeah, you're on vacation. Well, you still going to do this work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's nice. They make you think they care, but you, we got to realize companies and corporations are all about money. That's what their sole purpose is. You're just part of the, part of the machinery. Well, you know, what's funny is when I first became, I'm sorry, when I first became salary, a salary employee, I thought that was great. I'm like, what? So you mean to tell me I can leave a little early sometimes or get to work a little late? Nobody, I ain't got to punch no clock. But (laughs) what you realize is, oh, they're going to get it out of you. You don't have to worry about the fact that you're slipping here or maybe you come back 10 minutes, 15 minutes late from lunch. They don't care anything about that because they know they're going to get the work out of you. You're going to end up putting in more than 40 hours and just get paid for the 40. So don't ever think you're going to get 38 hours out of it or 39. Oh, no, you're going to do more, way more. And and see, I feel the same way about teaching. They always say, you know, those teachers just want to be teachers to have the summer off. But in the summer, they got all these workshops that you got to go to and, and to get prepared for the following year that we, you just might as well say you don't have a summer. Right. <laughs> right. Mm. That's why it's so important that God gave us the Sabbath because mankind would just keep working, thinking the more I work, the, the more money I get. That doesn't correlate in money. Which is why my, my um, stewardship message this morning was that 
the most effective thing you can do is pray. You know, let God do half of your work for you. You know, um, I'll say this personally, I struggle with, do I work enough? Am I being lazy? You know, and I know Paula, don't say anything to me about the word lazy, but <laughs> do, I, do I do, am I doing enough? And I think that's kind of where, and I'm not talking about enough to make money, but am I not doing, living up to what, uh, as a steward for God, am I not living up to what he's expecting me to do? And stuff, and sometimes it gets confusing. What's God's? He said, "Take upon me my yoke, for my burden, my yoke is easy, and my burden is light." So, what what does God expect from me? And then again, there is that worldly standard of constant work and and no play. But thank goodness, thank you, Karen, for this. I'm so glad. Thank you, Patsy and Lee, that y'all. This is something for me. I need this so that this week, you know, I will. I will cut back on working. <laughs> well, no, actually, I had um, had set aside two hours for me to have in the middle of the day as a break, two hours. And um, last week, I took one of the hours back because I'm like, I don't need all that time. Shh. I was so drained and tired. I was, <laughs> I was limping into the last of the week, and I got my two hours back next week. I'm, I've learned my lesson. I need that. <laughs> So the next sentence then is for you then, Lakita. It says, they devote but little time to the improvement of the mind and but little time to social or domestic enjoyment. They are of but little benefit to anyone and their lives are, well, this part is not for you, but just Ooh, devoting, time, <laughs> devoting time, <laughs> devoting time to just enjoy life, you know, and to commune yeah. with, the, with, with the, our savior, you know, you know I I think you know, that, let me just say this. I think that the enemy doesn't really care that we have the truth as long as he can keep us so busy that we're yes, not yes. really practicing it yes. in our lives. You know, um, um, you know. I think about the fact that many times Jesus went aside by himself and prayed, you know, like you said today, more prayer. We just need more prayer. Mm -hmm. Jesus went aside by himself and prayed and therein lies our strength. I was listening to a sermon by um, Dr. Wesley Knight, and he was talking about the scripture that says, I will lift up mine eyes to the hills from us cometh my help. My help cometh from the Lord. But he said, we read that as if lifting our eyes to the hills is where our help is. He said, no, that's a question mark. And he said, well, basically, if, I'm, if I just kind of paraphrase it and rephrase it, the question is, will I lift up mine eyes to the hills from the front of my help? No, my help comes from the Lord. And so that in that is prayer, is asking God, laying those things before him, you know, our stresses, our burdens, our cares, yes. even our, our, our joys and our thanksgiving and our praise, all of that, mm -hmm. giving that to the Lord, you know, and, and, and he's so much better because he, he created us. So he knows what to do with that. And I always tell people, you know what, when you give the Lord all that stuff and you leave it there, he's not going to give it back to you. No. If no. you have it back, it's because you chose another segment of it to take back upon yourself. It's not even that same segment. It's another segment because he is not going to give you back all that stuff if you truly give it to him. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was uh, saying that that's a real blessing that God gave us the Sabbath to make us 
lay down in green pastures, you know, otherwise we'd kill ourselves, especially <laughs> in America, because everything's a competition to Americans. If you put two people side by side digging a ditch, next thing they're trying to see who's the fastest, who digs the deepest, who digs the longest, you know, until somebody ends up digging. But right. in other countries, it's right. not that way. Other countries, they take, uh, like Mexico, famous for taking a siesta. Africa, right. very famous for not jumping right into work. Other countries, not so uh, caught up in the most work like we are in America, because we think it's a virtue, as it says in this paragraph, that ex excess work is a virtue. People look at you at the office, oh, there's Joe, he's burning the midnight oil. He, everybody else has left but you, and you in there still working. You know, right. you think it's a virtue. You're just killing yourself. Right. One of the best things we can all do each day, sit outside in the fresh air and just take some deep breaths for a minute. Um, have any of you, all, you all heard about the blue zones? Yes. Yes. Um, explain to me, explain to our viewers who have not heard about that, what that is. The blue zone is our areas. I'm thinking it's about six or seven of them in the world where people are living to an extended, the average age, maybe 90 or something ridiculous like that. And the reason it is, is because of their lifestyle, you know, because they're following the new start method, nutrition, extra, um, exercise, water, sunshine, temperance, air, rest, and trust in God. And so they have an extended um, lifetime and they're not living, being 90 and can't walk and can't think. They're 90 and jogging and, you know, still socializing and having dinner and stuff. That's, that's the life I want to lead, really. Yeah, and I think they're even living longer than that, Lakita. They're living to 101, mm -hmm. and and they're 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 out active and doing things. And part of the reason that they said is because they are resting on the Sabbath, and and they're finding that Sabbath rest is is prolonging people's lives by at least 10 years. Mm -hmm. One yeah. thing's and true: so, we can't be God given. We can't be God at anything. And he's the one that told us the best way to keep a healthy temple. And if mm -hmm. we follow it, he's promised to take care of us. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I mean, there are so many wonderful promises in the Bible. Uh, the, the, what, the first commandment of, with promise in it. Uh, oh, it says, uh, I'm sorry. Uh, honor <laughs> your mother and father that you're dead. Right. right. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so, you know, um, but there's just so many wonderful promises in the Bible that deal with our, 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 our bodies and resting and our health and the things that God is willing to do for us um, this side of eternity. Now, the other side of eternity, the scriptures say, I have not seen nor ear heard. So we don't really know what's on the other side of eternity, but he's given us some insight into the things that are on this side of eternity um, that will help us as we go through this life. Uh, let's go down to the next paragraph, 476 point. Let me see, wait a minute, make sure. I'm sorry, 477.1. And at the top of that paragraph, she says, many flatter themselves that their desire for gain is that they may help the cause of God. Some promise that when they have gained such an amount, they will do good with it and advance the cause of present truth. But when they have realized their expectations, they are no more ready to help the cause than before. What is that really saying? That it's not about what you have. 
It's not about mm. that at all. It's sustainable mm. health. Right. Whatever we're, doing, whatever we're doing right now is what we're going to do then. And so mm-hmm. we need to be praying. Mm-hmm. Right. Absolutely. And that, and that if we have a little, but we're not using it for his, his glory, then why in the world would he give us more? Because we wouldn't use that for his glory either. And so you're absolutely right. It's about the state of our hearts. And, you know, uh, here's the thing. And somebody mentioned it uh, this morning. They said, you know, uh, the elderly people uh, may not be able to do certain things as far as getting out there with their gifts or whatever, but they can pray. There's always something that you can do in the cause of God, you know, to advance it or to, to uh, you know, to um Whatever your whatever your particular gift is, if you ha- are if you are past the point where you can actually mobilize with that gift, you can still pray. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's see here. Uh, I'm going to drop down unless anyone has any comments in the paragraphs in between. I'm going to go down. A sentence right after you. Right after. Oh. Okay. Where people pledge themselves that after they reach their goal or whatever, buy some land or house, then they're going to mm-hmm. do more for the Lord. But once mm-hmm. they get it, then all of a sudden they ain't so keen or so ready to give to the work of the Lord like they said. Mm-hmm. And that mm-hmm. reminded me of Ananias and Sapphira. Yeah. When they went out and they sold their property, then they had the nerve to come back and lie about how much they sold it for. And that mm-hmm. was a planned. They planned that because they both lied. If it wasn't planned, mm. one of them would have said, no, we sold it for this amount, not that amount. But mm. they both had lied about it. And it was because they both got greedy. And, and just like we're reading about, even if they did think they were going to help, their real their real uh, moral value and ethical values came to the front after they got what they wanted. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You know, I, I, I think that I have a, something that I want to do for the Lord. And I say to myself, well, Lord, if, if you, you know, open certain doors, then I can do these things. But really, as we're talking about now, the, see the Lord, the Lord, mm, he, he asks us to walk by faith and not by sight. Mm-hmm. And so I'm realizing that if, if I just start walking forward, the Lord will open the doors because it's his work. Yeah. And sometimes it's like you, we're going from step A to step Z. We need to go from step A to A plus and then A plus. Mm-hmm. So maybe take some small steps towards uh-huh. you. And then uh-huh. that, and that's faith too, because, you know, we have to grow in faith and to learn and tr- to trust in God. But this stuff is so, you know, I was wondering, okay, what am I supposed to read? And usually I try to read before I get here. But this is like, I'm just I'm happy to be reading it for real. <laughs> you know, it's really, a, it's a bondage. It's like a, a bondage to be thinking about working all the time. And, and it's actually like, it's a lack of trust in God. That's the first thing that it is. And then the second thing it is in terms of um, this, it's like, I'm in this by myself and I'm not working like God is not working with me or I'm not working with God, whichever way, however you want to look at it, is that I'm, I'm not doing the work for God and allowing God to lead me, but I'm going ahead marching 
you know, with all my chains on and carrying up this dead weight, <laughs> trying to carry it with me. It's so interesting because my prayer lately has been, God, show me how to work smarter rather than harder, you know? And, mm-hmm. and, and, and sometimes just God would just give me a thought and say, oh man, I never thought about doing it that way. Mm-hmm. You know? And uh, cause God is so good like that, you know? Um, and so it goes back to what you said, Lakita prayer, just ask the Lord, you know, and, and, and just ask him if you're, if you're overworking, just say, Lord, I need some time to wind down. I need some time to spend with my family and to do some of the things that you want me to do to benefit other people, you know, mm-hmm. and, 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 and leave it to God as to how he does that, you know? Um, let's see. I want to go down to, um, paragraph 478.2 top of that paragraph. She says, there is a great work to be accomplished for Sabbath keepers. Their eyes must be opened and they see their true condition and be zealous and repent, or they will fail of everlasting life. The spirit of the world has taken possession of them and they are brought into captivity by the powers of darkness. They don't heed the exhortation of Paul, the apostle Paul. Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. With many a worldly spirit, with covetousness and selfishness predominates, and those who possess it are looking out for their own special interest. Um, talk to me about that, somebody. What have you seen as far as sabbath keepers what have you seen to be the prevailing spirit among sabbath keepers well i can say for myself i had been helping normandy for like a month and a half doing all those boxes and stuff and i had been getting home late at night let me and i can say late is anytime after seven and i said i found myself saying lord you know i've got to let i've got to come home earlier because i didn't spend as much time and I say it's quality time with Christ. Yeah, I may have read something, but had I not been exalt, you know, tired from coming from there, I said, so as we got closer, I started telling them, I said, you know, Miss Desiree, I said, I love helping you. I said, but I need to be able to go home and relax. I said, and I do a lot of reading. And I said, I haven't been able to do that. And she was really nice. She said, you know, I just appreciate all the time you've given me. But I found myself looking in the mirror saying, Lord, I'm not giving quality time. So mm-hmm. I asked God, I said, God, give me the, the knowledge and give me your understanding and wisdom to understand that whatever they need done, it, it, it's, it's going to be done on your will and your way. So why am I taking time from you? which you are, you know, you're blessing me to have the breath of life every morning. So I, I finally decided, I said, it has to, you know, I have to tell them, this is my stopping point and go home. And so when I started doing that, I said, you know, because a couple, like last Friday, she was like, you got us so far. So I, I, I think I got it from that here. And I was like, it didn't matter because I was going to tell her on Mondays, I'm going to leave at three o'clock, you know, when the kids get out. I and mean, some of them do come to school, but I said, I had to let God and the Holy Spirit convict me that the time you used to spend with us, you're not spending anymore. And so I, I, I really, I thank God that he brought that to my attention. 
and that I was able to, the Holy Spirit led me back on track to now I enjoy just reading in the evenings and having time to myself again. Mm. You know what, That's uh, a, you know what Sister Foley, and she was a literature, literature evangelist director here um, a long time ago. She would tell us, you know, like you set an appointment to meet somebody at a place to sell books or, or present the books to her, to them. Then she would tell us that when you set that appointment, the holy angels mark that time and that day. And if you if they are going to be there and they expect you to be there, and when you don't show up, then the Holy Spirit, then the Holy Spirit and the angels, you've missed your appointment with them. And that's the same way, Pesty too. I've set aside time to spend with God. And then I find myself doing something other than that. But in my mind, I'm thinking the angels are there waiting for me. And I'm not there. You know, I'm mm-hmm. someplace else doing something that God didn't ordain me to do. And so that's really, you know, you're right. The Holy Spirit will let you know, hey, you know, you're supposed to be over here. And what doest thou here in this space? You're supposed to be over there in that space. Uh, It's interesting. I want to ask the question, how many of us, when we get up in the morning during our prayer or whatever, our morning prayer, ask the Lord to direct our day and just give our plans entirely over to the Lord for him to... um, fashion or do according to his will that day how many of us actually do that every day amen i do i know you don't want us to answer that (laughs) no no that's a that's that's a that's a thought question because okay (laughs) yeah well i mean that was great patsy um but that's that's more of a thought question uh to think about um, because you know, the Lord knows what's going to happen that day. He knows the end from the beginning. Yes. He knows what he wants to get out of us that day. He knows who he wants us to contact or pray with or the work that, that is on our plate for that day. And he knows how he intends to help us through that day. One of the thoughts it says, uh, the spirit of the world has taken possession of them. You know, mm-hmm. people who have, are out trying to get all the worldly gain they can And the Bible says, by beholding, we become changed. So we have to be very careful not to allow the world to get into our head more than we allow God's word to get in there. So if we're real busy, you know, watching Keeping Up with the Kardashians or looking at rap videos with all the gold and jewelry and cars those guys, you know, uh, supposedly have, and we get caught up into that stuff, then we're just going to be caught up with the power, uh, captivity of the power of, of darkness and lose our way, like I said earlier in the in the lesson, thinking that you're on God's side, but you've lost your way and being deceived by the devil. So we do have to be careful what we allow into our minds. Absolutely. And I think sometimes, too, Lee, it may not even be things like that. It may just be that we are spending so much time with busy work that we don't take that time, like Patsy was saying, to spend with the Lord and to just, you know, hear his voice speaking into our souls, you know, mm-hmm. uh, ordering our steps, you know. Um, I was thinking about the fact that the Holy Spirit is slowly being withdrawn from this earth. And, and at some point, it's going to be gone. If we have not stored up the Spirit before that happens, then we're going to be in pretty bad shape 
And then not only is the Holy Spirit being withdrawn, but at some point, God is going to unleash the demons that he keeps stored in a pit that Satan can't control. So you have no Holy Spirit on the one hand and demons that even Satan can't control on the other hand. Where will we be if we don't have that oil? If we're not filled with that oil of the Holy Spirit, because, you know, people keep saying during this COVID, I just want things to get back to normal. I just want things to get back to normal. But far worse is coming. We know that. You know, far worse is coming. And so, you know, we have to be prayed up, Patsy, uh, 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 based on what you were saying. We have to be prayed up. We have to be studied up. But we have to keep our hand in the Lord's. And the question then becomes, is our name going to remain written in the book of life through all this, you know? One of these um, in paragraph 478.2 towards the bottom, it talks about how selfish people are not interested in their neighbors unless they study and how to take advantage of them. So, you know, we have to be careful. A lot of people are very gullible and they just believe everybody's out for their own good, but that's not true at all. You know, and people are looking for somebody who's uh, very easily persuaded or maybe they're lonely or whatever. That's how all these scams work because they find somebody who's uh, just trying to be a, a kind person or just minding their own business. But the selfish and greedy people look at you like a, a sheep. They're wolves and you're a sheep. And they're going to take full advantage of you without any regard for you. Like uh, we saw the one of those 2020 shows about scam artists. And they asked the scam artists, they had taken people's whole life savings, pension, Social Security money. And they asked them, so how do you feel about that? And they like, it don't bother me. That was their fault for being stupid. You know, and they just but don't, can- other than just trying to take what you have. So we all have to be very careful about uh, paying attention, be wise as serpents, harmless as doves, so that we don't become prey for some of these wolves out here. Yeah, Elder Carol, and that's that's too when when you like you know since I'm I'm single and I, I'm at my home when I need things done, I said they tell you to go on these like the um, home advisors and come to find out there's a man that you know came by and looked at my house and he was gonna run a scam where I give him the money and he talking about and then. Uh, I'll come by and work on it. Then you give me the other. Then I'll give you a contract. And I said, that don't sound right. So I just, you know, I prayed about it. And I talked it over with a brother at the church. And he said, that's one of them people that once you gave him that money, you weren't going to see him no more. And I said, you know, it's a shame because, you know, you do think after you pray about it, you know, home advisor is supposed to be one of the lists you go to to get good quality people to do work. And to think that, you know, somebody is on there. And, you know, they giving them five stars or whatever they give them. And I'm like, and he just, it didn't even make sense that, you know, you want the money and then you'll come and work, then you'll get the rest, then you give a contract. I said it was all backwards. Yeah. Yeah, I remember those companies like Home Advisor and um, whoever, they're run by human beings who are sinful. So you always got to pray and ask the Lord to lead you and then listen for his direction. Mm, right, absolutely. Um, let's go down to paragraph, let me see, 
point one. Let me see, wait a minute, let me make sure that's the right paragraph. Yeah, wait a minute, I'm sorry. Um, and she talks about how, let me see, wait a minute. 479.1, I'm sorry. Um, she starts talking about rich people and how some of them flatter themselves that they're liberal because they donate freely to the ministers. She said, for the advancement of the truth, yet these so-called liberal men are close in their dealings and ready to overreach. They have the abundance of this world and this blinds them upon the great responsibilities as God's steward. So when dealing with a poor, hard laboring brother, they are exacting to the last penny. And then the poor side to a bargain is the poor man's legacy, which is what you were just talking about, Lee, when you, you said they asked, uh, well, how do you feel about about taking these people's money. Oh, it's their fault, you know? Uh, and it says, uh, instead of favoring his poor brother, the sharp exacting rich man takes all the advantage and adds to his already accumulated wealth by the misfortune of the others. He prides himself because of his shrewdness, but with his wealth, he is heaping up to himself a heavy curse and laying a stumbling block in the way of his brother. Um, and then she says a little bit further down that paragraph, um, by his meanness and close calculation, he is cutting off his ability to benefit his brother with his religious influence. All this lives in the memory of that poor man and the most earnest prayers and apparently zealous testimonies from his rich brother's lips will only have an influence to grieve and disgust this, the poor man. And he looks upon him as an, a hypocrite a root of bitterness springs up whereby many are defiled and the poor man cannot forget the advantages that were taken of him. Neither can he forget how he has been crowded into difficult places because he was willing to bear burdens while the wealthy brother ever had some excuse ready for not putting his shoulder under the load. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that reminds me of a story where, uh, of the story and it's, and it's a little bit different, but I think the principle is the same where David in the Bible took Bathsheba and then the prophet Nathan came to him and said, well, look, you know, you've got, you're the king. You could have any woman you wanted. Basically, the, I, I'm paraphrasing the story. Okay. Because mm -hmm. he actually said the sheep, he said the poor man raised this, this little lamb. He only had one little lamb and the rich man took the lamb and cooked it for dinner and ate it. <laughs> and David was incensed by that. Well, that's just, that, that man needs to be killed because he took the, the poor man's one little lamb. And then Nathan told him, that's you. <laughs> so the principle being the same here, that, that, that the rich man has much, but he exacts everything from the poor man and takes what he has. And then the poor man then the influence of the rich man upon the spirituality of the poor man is completely lost because he's saying, why is this man taking advantage of me? And he has so much and I have so little. I, that reminds me of this comic strip I saw and they had a uh, kid with, uh, actually it was a white kid and he had this big old tall ice cream cone with like 10 scoops of different flavors. And then there was the poor black kid with one flavor of vanilla, one scoop of vanilla dripping off his cone. And the kid with all the scoops said, I want his. He wanted his too. He got all 10, but he wanted to take the one 
that the poor guy had. And it's many people like that. They have all the money in the world, but they'll take the five cents you got in your pocket. In fact, I was reading this book, I think it's The, the uh, Millionaire Next Door, and it pointed out that even wealthy people, if they get a rebate check in the mail for $1, they'll cash it. Absolutely. And uh, she says in the next paragraph, she says, true, noble, disinterested benevolence is too rarely found among the wealthy. Mm -hmm. In their ambition for wealth, they overlook the claims of humanity. It says they cannot see and feel the cramped, disagreeable position of their brethren in poverty who perhaps have labored as hard as themselves. Like Cain, they say, am I my brother's keeper? I've worked hard for what I have. I have to hold on to it. Instead of praying, help me to feel my brother's woe. Their constant studies to forget that he has any woes, any claims upon their sympathy or liberalities. He says, many Sabbath keepers who are wealthy are guilty of grinding the face of the poor. Do such think that God takes no notice of their little acts of meanness? If their eyes could be opened, they would see an angel following them wherever they go, making a faithful record of all their acts in their families and at their places of business. The true witness is on their track declaring, I know thy works. As I saw this spirit of defrauding, of overreaching, of meanness, even among professed Sabbath keepers, I cried out in anguish of spirit, this great evil, this terrible curse is folding around some of the Israel of God in these last days. Making them, a, making them a detestation to even noble spirited unbelievers. So, you know, this is really, when you think about true noble disinterested benevolence being rarely found, that's just saying to me that, you know, a lot of people have gained wealth. And of course the good God is the one that has given them that ability to gain that wealth. But then, they overlook what, why he gave them that wealth. It was interesting because today in Sabbath school, a question was asked, well, what was the reason for this? Then the question was asked, what were they supposed to do with it? And so when God gives wealth, is it for us to hoard it? No, it's not. It's for us to help to use uh, to help each other and to help you know, those who don't have. Right, absolutely. And so, and so, um, he said, that's my grandbaby. He's saying hi. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, and it's for us to help other people. You know, uh, I've heard it said that God has given enough earthly wealth that no one has to be in want. No one has to be in need. That's a statement that Sister White made. Mm -hmm. But because of the hoarding of that wealth, there's so many in need. There are so many that are homeless and many more as, as the condition of this earth gets worse and things get worse, I'm sure there's gonna be many, many, many more that become homeless. You know, well, uh, I also heard it said that let me see, only 3% of the people own most of the world's wealth. Yeah, that's not Yeah, I, I, that's what I was about to say. If all the wealthiest people in the world 
pool their money to assist the rest of the world. Everybody could live a decent life, much more than all the people who are struggling to eat and have a right. place to live. It wouldn't be necessary. And right. I was going to point out where you had read about the true, noble, disinterested benevolence is rare among the wealthy. And it reminded me of uh, in gathering when we used to go in gathering. You know, we'd always say, let's go over by the rich people. They're going to give us a lot of money. And then you go to the rich neighborhood and barely get anything. But then when you go to a regular neighborhood or even a poorer neighborhood, that's where the people are more generous and willing to give to help their fellow man. Mm -hmm. Some of that is because they felt like that two dollars wasn't going to do them any good. Anyway. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, let's see. Uh, I'm going to go down to paragraph 480.3 and then I think we'll stop there for today. She says, there is a class of poor brethren who are not free from temptation. They are poor managers. They do not have wise judgment. They wish to obtain means without waiting the slow process of persevering toil. Some are in such haste to better their condition that they engage in various enterprises without consulting men of good judgment and experience. And then she says, their ex expectations are seldom realized and instead of gaining, they lose. And then comes temptation and a disposition to envy the rich. They really want to be benefited by the wealth of their brethren and they feel tried because they are not, but they're not worthy of receiving special help. They have evidence that their efforts have been scattered. They have been ch changeable in business and full of anxiety and cares which bring but small returns. She said such persons should listen to the counsel of those of experience, but frequently they are the last ones who seek advice. They think they have superior judgment and will not be taught. So this is the flip side of the rich man. It's the poor man. That, that has all these schemes and things that he thinks is gonna make him a quick buck. And then it turns out that that's not the case. And he ends up losing what little he did have because he would not go to those who knew what to do. You know, they always say, if you wanna be, become something, go to people who have done it. Or if you want to accomplish a certain thing, hang out with the people who have done it, not with the people who haven't. Mm -hmm. Excuse me, Sister Karen, which paragraph were you reading from? Uh, paragraph 480.3. Okay, thank you. Mm -hmm. And so they say, you know, if you want to become a millionaire, hang out with people who know how to do it. <laughs> <laughs> and not the people who have all this advice, but they don't have, they don't have money to back it. Mm -hmm. Um, any comment? Any uh, comments on that? Okay. All right. I think we'll stop there for today, and uh, we'll pick up uh, next time with paragraph four eighty one point one and finish out this chapter. Um, any other comments about this chapter about ministers? Which really, it's not dealing solely with ministers. Was talking about people, rich people, poor people, and just our relationship with God through money, basically. And, or, or you can look at it as our relationship with money. Yeah. You know, how we, you know, how we um, ha try to have more of a relationship with money than with God, too. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay, if there are no other comments... Uh, we're going to pick up and I'm going to be sure that I mark it <laughs> this time so we will know where we're picking up.
this, this was a good area right here. Mm -hmm. So we're going to pick up next time with paragraph 481.1 and uh, hopefully finish out this chapter next time. Um, let's close out. Unless anybody had any other comments, let's close out with prayer. Yeah, I was going to remind everybody we're on chapter 11 in the book Heaven for next week. Okay. And that's talking about the, those who are already in heaven. Okay. Chapter 11. All right. Uh, and I'm going to ask Paula to give us closing prayer, if you don't mind, Paula. Okay. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for the opportunity to uh, study the words of your uh, prophet and your writings. Please give us the Holy Spirit so that we will have wisdom and understanding and let us apply these principles that you have given in your word to our daily lives that we may bring glory to your name and enrich your kingdom. In Jesus' name, please forgive us for our sins. Amen. 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 And uh, I encourage everyone to walk by faith and not by sight this week. Okay, wait a minute, you guys. Tomorrow, remember, it's the 12th step. And if you, I know everyone on this um, on this call should have already received your homework assignment. Uh, if you didn't, text me and say I didn't get it, but I emailed it earlier. And then I'm going to send you a reminder saying, do your homework. So at least be familiar with the um, questions so that tomorrow everybody can answer, talk. And what I really want to focus on is how to, you know, the the um, the answer to these problems that we're we're finding ourselves. So that's what I want to do. Oh. Yeah. And Lakita, I have a question. What happens if we have a problem trying to get in to your class? Is there a number we can call? Yeah, you know what, uh, Patsy, I'm I'm not really as good as um, as uh, Karen and Andre with this. So they're looking at the phones and this. When I get on Zoom, I just look at Zoom. But I saw what happened last week. You had the wrong dial-in number. So I'm going to make sure that I send you a copy of that, both by uh, email as well as on the phone, so that you can okay, have thank you. information. But you had the wrong one, and I just didn't pick up the message until later. Because I okay, thank you. One thing you're welcome. All right, okay. Until next week, we will see you, class, uh, when we're studying from the book Heaven, Chapter Eleven.